RTHK, the news at one with Todd Harding. The headlines, the acting chief executive calls for people's understanding over the plan to build 30,000 light public housing flats. Beijing apologises to Costa Rica for a balloon that flew over the Central American country and the death toll from the earthquakes that shook Turkey and Syria passes the 4,000 mark. Acting Chief Executive Eric Chan has called for people's understanding on the government plan to build some 30,000 light public housing flats. Officials earlier announced that they've earmarked eight plots for the project. But residents in Kai Tak District have opposed the construction of temporary homes there, saying it will affect the plan to turn the area into a second central business district. Speaking ahead of the weekly Executive Council meeting, Mr Chan said the plots will revert to their intended purpose after five years and people should support the government's plan to help grassroots families. During these few years, we can help possibly more than 100,000 citizens and address their desperate housing needs. I think it's worth going ahead with this project. We've received criticism from time to time that while Hong Kong is an advanced international city, how come there's still a section of the population living in undesirable conditions? So the government is taking an important step to tackle this problem. While we are taking this step, we need understanding from society. And Housing Minister Winnie Ho has sought to allay concerns about choosing Kai Tak as one of the sites for light public housing flats. In a newspaper article, she cited critics as saying it would be too good a place for tenants and that they won't want to move out in future. But Ms Ho stressed that such housing is temporary and if tenants don't exercise three chances to move into traditional public housing flats during their stay, they would lose their place in the housing queue. About 20 residents, meanwhile, of Kai Tak have held a protest in front of the central government offices to oppose the government's plan to build the light public housing flats in their area. They said the building of these flats would delay Kai Tak's development into a business district by more than 10 years. The residents also criticised the government for not meeting them to discuss the matter with them. The protesters urged the administration to find other areas to build the light public housing flats instead. Costa Rica says Beijing has apologised for a balloon that flew over the Central American country. According to a statement from Costa Rica's foreign ministry, Beijing recognised that one of its balloons flew over the country and its embassy in San Jose insisted the balloon was focused on scientific research, mainly weather studies. It comes after the US shot down another balloon just off its Atlantic coast on Saturday, after days of frenzied speculation in the country over its mission. Speaking to reporters, U.S. President Joe Biden defended the decision to wait until it crossed the United States before shooting it down. It was always my position. Once it came over the United, into the United States from Canada, I uh, told the Defense Department wanted to shoot it down as soon as it was appropriate. They concluded, they concluded we should not shoot it down over land. It was not a serious threat, and we should wait till it got across the water. Yesterday's earthquakes in southern Turkey and northern Syria are now known to have killed more than 4,300 people. More than 15,000 have been injured. Rescue workers have been sifting through the ruins of thousands of flattened buildings for survivors, but freezing cold snow and rain have made their task harder. A professor of earth and atmospheric science, Carl Lang, from Atlanta in the U.S. state of Georgia, told the BBC why an earthquake close to the surface causes so much damage. The energy that is released when a 
you have a fault that slips, there's a rupture on the fault and there's actual movement. That's really what we sense at the surface as an earthquake. And the closer that rupture location is to us at the surface, the more uh, rapidly and also the more intense the shaking will be. So when you have a very large magnitude earthquake, but it's very deep, you can dissipate some of that energy before it reaches the surface. But again, if it's only 18 kilometers deep, which is the case for this earthquake, then the energy goes directly to the surface. The United Nations Secretary General has called for an international response to the devastating earthquakes. Antonio Guterres said many of the thousands of families worst hit were already in need. The United Nations is mobilizing to support the emergency response and so let's work together in solidarity to assist all those hit by this disaster, many of whom were already in dire need of humanitarian aid. Leaders from around the world have responded with offers of help to Turkey, but the closure of airports makes getting aid into the area more challenging. The White House said President Biden called his Turkish counterpart Recep Tayyip Erdogan and told him the US was ready to provide any assistance. Many other countries are sending experts to Turkey, but sanctions and years of isolation present obstacles to helping Syria, as the BBC's Lee Stuzette explains. Getting aid into northern Syria is such a huge obstacle course. There is only one crossing, one lifeline, which runs from Turkey that is absolutely choked with traffic. And there's only one crossing because powerful countries at the UN Security Council, Russia and China, have been vetoing any attempt by Western powers, by the United Nations, to allow more aid into northern Syria before this disaster happened. A panel investigating a plane crash in Nepal that killed 72 people last month has found the plane's engine had no thrust motion, meaning no power, in the last leg of its descent. The Yeti Airlines flight from Kathmandu to the tourist town of Pokhara crashed on landing before catching fire, killing everyone on board. France faces another day of transport and public services strikes today as protests continue against plans to raise the age of retirement from 62 to 64. The BBC's Hugh Schofield sent this report from Paris. For the third time in less than three weeks, the French are having to rearrange their lives around closed schools and intermittent public transport. But the anti-pension reform campaign remains popular and once again big turnouts are expected in dozens of demonstrations in Paris and other towns and cities. The government insists that the only viable way to preserve the country's pension system is to extend the number of years that people work. But opponents say this reform is unfair, especially to the less well-off and to women. Google says it's launching its own artificial intelligence-powered chatbot to rival the revolutionary Microsoft-owned language app ChatGPT. The Googlebot, called Bard, is built on its existing large language model Lambda. Here's the BBC's Zoe Kleinman. ChatGPT has exploded in popularity since it launched two months ago, with more than a million people trying it out within its first few days. It uses the internet as a database and can answer any question. It can also write speeches, articles, songs and even computer programming code. There are concerns that students are using it to do their homework for them. There are also worries that AI chatbots could take over many jobs currently done by humans. But really, their value to the big tech firms is as a possible replacement for how we use search engines. Instead of typing a query into Google or Bing and getting loads of pages of web links to wade through, you could just get one answer. In Argentina, five five Argentine 
Amateur rugby players have been sentenced to life imprisonment for beating to death a young man outside a nightclub three years ago. Three others were sentenced to 15 years. The murder of Fernando Baez Sosa shocked the country and raised questions about racism and class division in Argentina. The 18-year-old law student was kicked and punched after one of his friends accidentally bumped into one of the rugby players. The victim's family lawyer, Fernando Burlando, said all eight men should have been sentenced to life in prison and would appeal. This was premeditated. Everyone had their role. Determining the secondary participation will probably be the easiest way for us to resolve this and in some way find a sense of balance for Fernando's family. Haiti's Prime Minister Ariel Henry has installed a transition council to prepare for national elections, which have been postponed several times because of political turmoil and insecurity. The unexplained assassination of President Jovenel Moïse in July 2021 plunged the country into lawlessness and chaos. The BBC's Leonardo Russia has this report. Mr. Henry said the ceremony marked the beginning of the end of dysfunction in the country's democratic institutions. He also renewed calls for the deployment of an international force in Haiti to help police in the fight against the country's heavily armed criminal gangs. Mr. Henry said the new transitional council would show the world that Haitians are capable of overcoming their differences and working together. The authorities in Peru have said more than 30 people have died in landslides that hit a small town in the southern province of Arequipa. Video footage posted on local media showed dozens of houses being destroyed by a thick layer of mud and rocks that descended from the surrounding slopes in the town of Secocha. To sports, where football's English Premier League has charged Manchester City with more than 100 breaches of its financial rules following a four-year investigation. It's referred the club to an independent commission over alleged breaches between 2009 and 2018. The commission can impose punishments, ranging from a fine and points deduction to expulsion from the Premier League. Simon Bykowski is a writer for the Manchester Evening News. Basically from 2009 right up to the current season, there are charges um, relating to financial fair play and or failure to cooperate with with the Premier League. This investigation has been going on for nearly four years. Um, and in the meantime, Manchester City have been investigated by UEFA for financial fair play and they were found guilty and expelled from the Champions League and then they fought that battle and at the Court of Arbitration for Sports they appealed the decision and they were let back into the Champions League on appeal um, so Manchester City sort of having won a big legal battle a few years ago felt that their their name had been cleared somewhat but all of these allegations from the Premier League are very serious indeed. Also in the Premier League, Jesse Marsh has been sacked as manager of Leeds United following a 1-0 loss to Nottingham Forest this past weekend. It left Leeds fourth from bottom with only goal difference keeping them out of the relegation places. More from the BBC's Adam Pope. I think it was a case of when, not if. The, the point being, was it going to be straight away? Was it going to be after the Manchester United game on Wednesday night where, let's face it, they're probably expected not to get anything? Do they give them another game against Manchester United on Sunday as well? So, all in all, it was about timing and what they're trying to do is give the next person the best possible chance to rescue what's becoming an increasingly alarming situation. Don't forget, following the two Manchester United games, which they've got Everton, who are struggling despite winning at the weekend against Arsenal, and Southampton, who lost again. So, those two games are critical. 
In the NBA, Kyrie Irving has been welcomed to the Dallas Mavericks as the Texan team and the Brooklyn Nets confirmed their blockbuster trade. Days after the controversial point guard requested a move before Thursday's trade deadline, both clubs tweeted confirmation of the transfer following team physicals. The Mavericks tweeted welcome to Dallas messages to Irving and Markieff Morris, who left the Nets in exchange for Spencer Dinwiddie and Dorian Finney-Smith, who received a similar social media greeting from Brooklyn. The Nets also reportedly received a future first-round draft pick and two second-round selections in the deal. Grant Arseth is a writer for DallasBasketball.com. The Mavericks got more aggressive and then basically, you know, got a deal done, including more draft compensation. You know, when you kind of have the relationships with, you know, head coach Jason Kidd, who was Kyrie's favorite player uh, when he grew up in New Jersey watching Kidd on the New Jersey Nets, as well as, you know, general manager Nico Harrison has a relationship with not only Irving, but also his stepmother and agent. I think all those things kind of create a a different set of circumstances than what would be in play for uh, other potential suitors had they made the trade other than the Mavericks. Now to the ongoing row in golf between the Saudi Arabia-funded Live Tour and the DP World Tour, formerly known as the European Tour. Yesterday, a week-long arbitration hearing began to determine whether golfers should be allowed to compete on both tours. Duncan Bagshaw is head of arbitration at the sports law firm Howard Kennedy. He explains the basic argument being made by the two sides. The big question this week is whether 13 players who were sanctioned by DP World Tour for participating in conflicting tournaments organised by Live Golf are permitted under the regulations of the DP World Tour and whether those regulations are in breach of competition law or in restraint of trade. The big question is whether the measures are fair, transparent and proportionate. Britain's former world heavyweight boxing champion Anthony Joshua is to fight Jermaine Franklin on April the 1st at London's O2 Arena. Joshua, who lost back-to-back fights against world champion Alexander Usyk, will be seeking a first win since beating Kubrat Pulev in 2020. Franklin was beaten on points by Britain's Dillian White in November, marking a first loss in 22 fights for the American. To the weather forecast, mainly cloudy with rather low visibility in some areas. Sunny intervals this afternoon with one or two light rain patches. Tonight, winds will be light to moderate easterlies. The outlook, mainly cloudy with some mist in the next few days and it will be windier tomorrow. Currently, the observatory, it's 24 degrees Celsius, relative humidity now at 70%. And to end the news, the top stories once again. The acting chief executive calls for people's understanding over the plan to build 30,000 light public housing flats. Beijing apologises to Costa Rica for a balloon that flew over the Central American country. And the death toll from the earthquakes that shook Turkey and Syria passes the 4,000 mark. The news from RTHK. The Brew with Phil Whelan on Radio 3.
Dion Bromfield on Radio 3 with Lil Twist and Foolin'. It's Tuesday, Arvo, and it's time to uh, just have a little tickle of Dr. Merrin Pierce and see what's going on, because we've got a favourite guest with us today. Merrin, of course, live from New Zealand, and he'll be in full Sonny Lumiere in a while, but we're just testing it out. So what's going on? How are you? Oh, good, good, good. Yeah, looking forward to today. People might remember that about a year or so ago, we went to the Hong Kong... Um, University's Biodiversity Museum. Yeah. Uh, we've got folks from them coming on. So Benoit's talking, and he's got some amazing microscope images, so real zoomed-in stuff as well as general stuff. Right. That will be in about seven minutes from now. Find us on the Brews Facebook page, and all will be revealed. 